Okay, this is uh, we're back for for part two. So in part one, we 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 went through some uh, kind of things that are on the table, political and current events that we think might or could happen in 2021. This section is going to be a little bit more uh, whatever we want to talk about, free form. And um, d- during our little break there, we started talking about today is January 4th, and it's inauguration day for a new governor here in Utah, and we ended the last segment with a little bit about him, but we watched, he had this yesterday was a Sunday and he had this kind of media tour where him going to, where he went to different churches, um, which I found bizarre because church worship is a, is a personal thing. It's something between you and and God and, and maybe you and your family in the congregation. It's not something I think that needs to be used to virtue signal, I don't think it's something that should be used as a, for a politician to uh, to gain uh, popularity or credibility with his constituents. And Utah is a, a religious state um, dominated by the LDS Church, but there's there's healthy uh, Protestant and and Jewish congregations here in the state. And it, I just found it off putting. And found, in fact, I found a lot of what this governor does kind of off putting, especially in the realm of blending faith and politics he he wants uh, in the spring he compared masks to the the brass serpent which is an old testament story where the brass serpent uh, is literally a uh, uh symbolic i guess can something be literally symbolic <laughs> the brass serpent <laughs> it's actually a symbol Bra- mm-hmm. well moses if if you don't know the story real quick moses has a brass serpent on a staff and if people look at that, they'll be healed from the snake bites. And um, it's, it's an allegory. It's a symbol, it's a symbol of, of Jesus and his power to uh, heal us and, and to save us. And for him to compare masks to that was inc- even, even my— uh, Out of control. Even my, even my parents were offended by that. And, yeah. Um, but before you get too, too much further— this segment, j- uh, just so that you know, we're going to continue with our predictions, but we're going to be talking more in a freeform way, rather than running down through all of the all the obvious things that are going on. And so, so keep going with the well, Cox. The, the, the reason I bring up Governor Cox um, is that I, I I watched a little bit of his his clips, uh, some of the media clips that he shared on his. Twitter of him, you know, walking into a church and, and these photographers firing off photos like they're a, a red carpet event or something. It's again, it's, it's bizarre. But while he's uh, somebody, somebody uh, greets him. You know, again, he's he's masked up, right? He's outdoors. <laughs> Masks outside is just it's uh, something that gets me very upset. But <laughs> <laughs> masks in general, as I you've listened, if you've listened to our previous episodes, you know that masks and me are something that really uh, did not get along. Uh, especially, uh, uh, it's especially aggravating that they're now being equated with a Christ-like attitude from 
church leaders, but that's another rabbit hole. Anyway, Spencer Cox greets somebody and he gives them the, the elbow, right? Elbow to elbow, which is a stupid, stupid way to greet somebody. And it, it, it sparked me to, to have a thought that during this, this uh, pandemic, there's two really important social signals that have been kind of eliminated from our society. And one of them is, is smiling. Smiling in public, right? Smiling at a stranger at a grocery store when maybe you, you bump them accidentally or, or uh, see, there's just those moments where you have eye contact with somebody and you smile and, and nod, maybe say, how you doing? It's a social, universal signal. Everybody in the world knows that a smile is a, is a non-hostile uh, gesture of, of, of friendship and, and uh, goodwill. That's being eliminated because of the masks. And so it's impossible to, to really tell what somebody's intentions are. Somebody could be approaching you in a menacing manner or what appears to be menacing manner. And it might just be the way they walk and, and they might be smiling under their mask, but you would have no way to know. And so your defenses might be up when normally you would would be put at ease by a, by a reassuring smile. So that's, I think, a problem. The other thing that's been eliminated or being eliminated from our culture is the handshake. And again, it's a universal symbol of, of greeting, of trust, of, of friendship, and that's being eliminated. And both of these things are really important for our, uh, uh, their foundation of a civil society. And those are being eliminated, and I fear that they're helping, that elimination is helping set us up for catastrophe. So you're alluding to things that have already happened, right? Is there a prediction in there somewhere? Catastrophe. <laughs> catastrophe. And what does that look like? What, what I, how what, does that affect well, catastrophe? What, what does that mean? Let's look at some of the other implications or, or some of the other ramifications of what's already happened. Okay, and, and, and I can bring up former, now former Governor Gary Herbert in Utah, but this has been happening all over the country and even all over the world, where uh, politicians from prime ministers and presidents to health officials and uh, and then you know, mayors and county commissioners and governors are sowing the seeds of of distrust among among us. They're saying you might not feel sick, but you probably are, or you could be, and therefore you are infecting other people. We've even had this this idea that uh, even floated by by not only politicians but religious leaders that quote no one has the right to spread a deadly virus. That's it's not the, deadly. That it's it's not deadly, but also it's insane. It's insane because number one, no one is arguing that anyone does have that right. Number two, we're acting as if spreading a virus is a malicious act, an, an intentional, an intentional act. malicious act, and that, that healthy people spread viruses, and that healthy people spread viruses, which they don't, or at least not at the rate that would cause pandemic and panic and mass mask usage. So we're being. We're being set up to be distrustful of each other, to even, you, you, we, we, you know, in part one, we talked about some of these videos of like law enforcement uh, harassing people. There's also a lot of incidences out there of regular people harassing other regular people. Far more incidences for of that. Mask, mask violations or social distancing violations. Or, and what you have is a populace who is more and more is growing uh, to distrust, to dislike, 
and to actually hate one another because it's now acceptable to to it's now acceptable to say if you don't wear a mask or if you don't social distance you are a murderer and that's crazy talk and so that's why i say that we're being set up for catastrophe because what are the two kind of kind of a defenses to somebody thinking that you might have malicious intent a smile and a handshake okay so a lot of people would say that the the masking and the isolation and the uh, suspicion the inculcation with suspicion is intended to make it easier for them to blanket society with this medical tyranny and that in itself is a catastrophe, but I don't think that's the type of catastrophe that you're you're talking about because um, if it just slowly descends into this medical tyranny, then that would, I think it would require Americans especially in some of the, uh, in some of these other countries in, in the rest of the world, it kind of appears to have already worked. But Americans in particular seem to be unwilling to just go along with it forever like you're you're starting to hear rumblings in even the coastal states like isn't there a recall movement on to get rid of gavin newsom there is there there's like there was a great video of a guy in costco who had just finally lost it and he got up on a in the center of a of a display and just with a bullhorn started yelling at everybody telling them they, they shouldn't take it anymore i mean that does it it when a certain portion of the population begins to rebel, then it's then the cat's out of the bag and, and people start to wake up. When when they throw caution to the wind, it only requires a, a few instigators to throw caution to the wind and start to, to yell out. And what's interesting is this is uh, something that Alexander Solzhenitsyn addresses in the very first part of the book, uh, Gulag Archipelago. He's like, if people would just have not taken it, if they would have just stood up, fought against the the machine then how much different could the outcome have been and i think we're seeing that americans are not the same types of people as the the russians were before the soviet we've got this um whether it's good bad abrasive or whatever a sense that we deserve certain leeway certain individual rights it's, it's just in our blood and i think it's good the way people manifest it sometimes is is ugly, but I think we've just got it. There's too many Americans that have it in their blood that there's a line in the sand that once you cross it, they're just going to let you have it. Like the guy in Costco who brings his bullhorn out. And, and there, there was another video of a woman, I think you might have sent it to me, where this lady is in a... Uh, she's got short hair. She's blonde, and she's she's oh, in this... at a Walgreens or something. She's like at, yeah, she's at a Walgreens, and there there's all of these people starting to accost her someone's filming it but these people in masks like they're all covered closing up closing in on her they're, like they're yeah they're, it's like they're closing in on her and she just stands there and she stands her ground she says i'm not sick i'm healthy i don't need to wear a mask you people are insane and then they accuse her of being insane she's like no 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 you are insane and when you look at it they look like the zombies dragging their feet menacingly yeah, towards her a- and they're like circling her and she's like, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm healthy. I, you're, I'm no threat to you. And she's literally just 
explaining in a rational manner, but in an exasperated manner, that she's had enough. And and all these people are just spouting the party line, the, right. the propaganda at her. Masks. Masks. She even Wear a she mask. throws Stay. some facts at him. She says, studies have shown that the asymptomatic spread is is very rare, and and, and uh, they don't, they're not hearing it. And well, they don't have any of it. One of the masks. It's not. It's not an imposition. Here, I have one. It's like they want to. They even come to her with a mask. Like here, take this drug. Bite this apple. Uh, do you know? Just come over to our site. It's easy. It will one be the, easy if you just do that. One of the women in masks. She uh, for most of the video, she has her back to the camera. But she turns, and it's revealed that not only is she wearing a mask, but also one of those plastic face shields. So she's double. Oh, I know. She's double. Protected. But it's, I've I've made this argument before. This, the mask, it, it is it is a cult. It is a literal cult. Right. The, with we its we high know priests, its dogma. We can say the Danish study proved it that they're just neutral because you only wear. I, and I was recently speaking with a doctor, a friend of mine who is an an uh, a do a family physician. Okay, this is not an MD. This is the equivalent of an MD. She's a do. And she's like, that we know about masks. You wear them if you're in a in in an emergency situation like a surgery, so that you don't spread bacteria. Right. Viruses are too small. To virus. Viruses go around these cloth masks. It has nothing to do with viruses. We know this. We have known this. We knew this prior to 2020. So this has nothing to do with science. We can't, the fact that we're even having to. Uh, disclaim this or articulate this is absurd. We know what masks do. And the fact that we're wearing cloth face coverings is bizarro world. And it's upside why, down. That's why I kind of tend to harp on, on these masks because it's so, uh, for, for me and in my opinion, it's so obviously symbolic of, of nefarious dark forces because the human face is uh, it's the thing that differentiates each of us. It's and then, emotive, right? It, it's how you it's it's how you learn to communicate with people is through facial expression and then of course language. And we've talked about the importance of language. the The symbolic mask, the symbolic. Well, masks are are symbolic of our submission and also our silence. Because a person with a mask is not going to take that mask off and and then preach about the dangers of and the stupidity of wearing masks. They're going to keep quiet. They're going to go through their lives, their daily activities, like like mute zombies who are just where where right now our lives are being whittled down to mere existence. You get up in the morning, you mask up, you go do your job if you're allowed to. You go to the grocery store, you get what you need if you're allowed to. Some of these grocery stores have actually blocked off sections of non-essentials. So you can't go get birthday cards or uh, maybe uh, some clothing or something. You know, they've steered you into, which is, again, bizarre. But Crazy. At, I, I don't have a... At this point, I'm I'm really skeptical, or or uh, maybe even pessimistic, that enough people are willing to take off the mask. You know, it, one of the old, one of the kind of the classic conspiracy theories is MK Ultra, right? Old CIA mind control program, and people will quit very quickly say like that's not real or mind control's not real. Well, right now, if it's declassified, but it's not real. Right. I would say this: if if mind control is not real, take off your mask. Yeah, prove it. Prove it. Yeah. And, and and so 
there's this school of thought that that there that the oligarchy is just attempting to submit everyone into this medical tyranny and that they're going to go quietly but i would posit that that is not the intention they know full well that that human beings have spirit and they are crushing the spirit and the crushing of the spirit the sucking of the joy of people causes a reaction i've just sucked one year of your life away tell me how do you feel be honest this is for posterity you know i mean literally they're sucking the life out of people and this has consequences and everyone has uh, well, not everyone but i mean most people i think have a line in the sand and we're finding out where that line in the sand is and the the onerous oppressive environment of pseudo regulations co- color of law actions that that are coming down right now are, are forcing people to find where that line in the sand is and the the masking is definitely a uh, a symbolic evidence or a uh, what'd you call it uh, a manifestation in the physical of 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 uh, this oppression of society and the sucking of their life, the sucking away of their life, and the way people act with it. They and it's it's not just that they've shut down. Every, they've tried to shut down everything that brings people joy because joy is non-essential. It was the uh, the first things to go were the social uh, support and. Uh, kind of our outlets, we may have touched on this before, but what were the first things to go in the spring? Church, sports, entertainment, family gatherings, schools, all of the things that we do in in any kind of communal fashion where we where we strengthen each other. You know, sports sports are an interesting thing because we can still watch them on TV now, but it's it's weird watching a, a football game with an empty stadium. And with fake crowd noise. Fake crowd noise. But but I, I think anybody who's been to live sporting events knows that being there is just really different than watching on TV. And yeah. wa- watching watching a, a football game, it, you know, you go to, let, let's say you go to a Denver Broncos game, and for the moment, for that three or four hours, pretty much everybody in that stadium whether it's 70 or 80,000 people or whatever, those people are all united in one cause. Now, the cause might not be that important. It's just a football game. But you have this these people of all kinds of different socioeconomic backgrounds, different political beliefs, different, different uh, uh, everything. But the football team is something they all have in common. And they can go and they can put their arms around each other and say, what a game. So that's that. Are you seeing that continuing to be removed? Then that's that. That's going to be that's continuing to be off limits. This well, we're the, not we're not getting that back anytime soon, right? Not in not in any not in its fullness. There are some stadiums that are letting a few people in, but it's it, what I, I went to a college football game this fall, um, and they let in. It's a big stadium that holds like sixty five thousand people, and they let in like eight or nine thousand and what and this is i see this happening at church too or any environment where the there's forced social distancing is that the the event itself takes a backseat to the procedure of 
of all of these rules. Did you have to go through the TSA style terrorist uh, searches? Um, they do those at, at stadiums now. They check bags. And did things. they check this your was, bags? This is pre-COVID. They would, I, I never Post-COVID? No, but you said you went post-COVID. I did go post-COVID. Did they but, check your bag? But pre-COVID, they were doing this. Did they check bags post-COVID? Yeah. They did? Okay, so terrorism is still a threat. Right. And, okay. And, I just wanted to know, because if, if terrorism wasn't still a threat, that would be interesting. And, and I think it's, yeah, and it's still something I think is just sort of hardwired into their, into the, into the procedures. And yeah. so this idea of, of rule keeping and procedure is, is killing is, society, is replacing the, the beauty and the joy, as you said, that of, of the experience itself, no one goes to church to follow procedure. They go to uh, Ideally, they go to worship in a communal mm-hmm. fashion, right? They right. go to be with like-minded believers. The exact okay, football is a is a is a it's small a religion. r religious experience because <laughs> you go with like-minded believers in a cause, and you have hope and you have faith that what happens on the field, which you have zero control over, will will validate your beliefs and will bring you some momentary joy. It's the same with like a, a movie. Uh, a movie theater experience is different than watching something on your tablet. Not only is the picture bigger and the sound better, but there's a communal aspect to it that that binds people, that unites people. And I've been in movies that are dumb and bad, and the theater turns on the movie. Have you ever had that happen? And there's booing and hissing and laughing <laughs> and joking, people yelling at the screen. And I've had the opposite happen where a movie gets people so engrossed that they cheer and clap, and not just at the end, but during. And you mm-hmm. have... Uh, you know, people people crying and laughing together is is a powerful thing, and a stranger's doing that is a powerful thing because if you believe in in sort of this idea of of the of a fabric of society, right? We've heard that phrase. That fabric is are these communal, or at least part of it, are these communal experiences that that unite us as as people, even strangers, right? And, and going back to what I talked about earlier. Part of that is smiles and handshakes and anonymous sort of uh, uh, unplanned experiences. You know, holding the door open for a stranger is something that is not not really uh, happening anymore. Partly because all the doors now are automatic, but but strangers don't. You can't touch the door now. Well, and you can't go into the businesses that don't have automatic doors. If your business right. isn't big enough to have an automatic door, you're closed. So this fabric that that kind of that holds it all together is being eroded. Yeah. Deliberately. It's we, always deliberate. We should link to a Tom Woods uh, speech that he gave. I think it was called The COVID Cult. You probably saw that. It was great where he just discusses this. He's a, a great libertarian thinker, uh, commentator, and discusses the fact that the risks are not proportionate to the fact that we're losing this fabric, this joy in society, and it's not worth it. And, you know, there is some risk of COVID, but it's, it's incredibly small. It's far smaller well, than it's, what it's, they're talking about. There's risk every year from, it's, of pneumonia, flu, it's, it's, it's It's essentially slightly higher than a normal year, and that's the, the slightly higher part is over. We graphed the stats. On our first podcast, you can go look at the... Look at the spike last April. It's over. So it's we're now just back into the realm of seasonal illness. And uh, everybody's got the same risk that they've always had of dying, except that they're all freaked out. And 
we I could think... choose. We could choose. Tom Woods' thing was we could choose to just go back to our lives. We can. We should. I've seen people on um, social media or, or even people in person say, man, I, I, I can't wait to get rid of these masks. And my response is, take it off. Take it off. And we've gone, we've gone beyond. I think, I think a, a lot of society, general public, is, not, is no longer afraid of the virus if they ever were. I think what now frightens them is being uh, accosted like that woman in Walgreens or um, being labeled as a murderer or uh, a callous, selfish virus spreader or breaking rules. People don't like to, to break rules. So much of this now is just rule keeping. My, my daughter recently, I, I went with my daughter to a store and she's 12. And she said, you're not wearing a mask. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, you can take yours off. And she said, but the government told us to wear it. And I said, so? And she kind of, <laughs> it was an interesting kind of moment for her. But this, I've seen this before, so it's not my original thought, but this, this ends, this can all end immediately if we right. just decide to end it. Right. So that's unlikely. Would you not? I mean, if we're, if we're talking about it, the, the year ahead, is it, is it likely or unlikely that this will end? I would almost say it's impossible. And why? Because if the absurdity of it all hasn't already ended it, it won't anytime soon. Because I think the, the control mechanisms are so powerful. You, don't you think it's t- just taking a certain segment of the population a little bit longer? Like they, the ones that have been more trusting of institutions are now realizing they shouldn't have been, you know, the ones that went along with it. Un- unfortunately, right at the f- start of this, people gave it momentum. And that was what, what allowed this to happen is once they got their foot in the door, the whole situation got momentum and the governments and the policy makers were able to continue to experiment with policies to, to keep the whole thing going. And so that gave it momentum. And then, uh, especially here in Utah, the big breaking point was when the LDS church came out in uh, official favor of wearing masks. That was when the public at large folded well, and, like and a cheap suit. Them doing that didn't add, they didn't, they didn't have some sort of uh, uh, scientific breakthrough that nobody else has ever had. So them doing that... They didn't even have even claim inspiration. Them No, them doing that just... Uh, I, I was really upset about that because, number one, it created more division. And I don't think a church should ever uh, knowingly... And I, there's no way they couldn't have known, given the political climate. They knowingly created more division. And what they did was they created an environment or, or helped uh, amplify an environment where one side could could blame the other side for the spread of a virus, and now they could do it uh, uh, at in, church at church using using uh, virtue and and what it means to be a, a quote good Christian. That that phrase in the original press release, which was was only here in Utah, uh, U, the Utah area authority presidency originally did this in Utah and they, and they use the phrase that it's a, it's a good Christian behavior and that's manipulative and it's false and then recently more uh, internationally more churchwide was this idea that wearing one is Christ-like behavior which 
let's not forget that what what did Christ, how did Christ treat the sick and afflicted? He went to the lepers who had been ostracized and, and touched them and healed them. He, not only that, but he, he ministered to the sick, uh, not just to the physically sick, but to those who had cultural problems, who had social problems, those who were, who were deemed unclean and unworthy by the agora, right? If we want to refer to other episodes, those who were not allowed to participate in society, those were the people that he went to. The agora, by the way, is the Greek word for the town center. And we had a discussion in episode two about the town center and uh, the book of Revelation chapter 13 and the mark of the beast a little bit, what it means to not be able to buy or sell. But uh, Jesus was a Sabbath breaker, he associated with people he wasn't supposed to associate with. He was basically there to highlight all of the inconsistencies in the pharisaical Jewish re- religion in, in the center of Judaism at the day as they had departed from the old Hebrew religion so dramatically and become a control state. And so he highlights all of that, and he intentionally gets himself placed on the cross, gives his life, and then goes through his cosmic... Uh, reconciliation, if if you believe in that, I do. I believe he overcame death and uh, created a way that our those those who will accept truth and light and not give in to the matrix, the the uh, captivity system that holds your brain captive, your mind captive. If you will transcend that, you too can move on in a future existence. And right. if not, you're going to have to go back to the school of hard knocks or, or all the way to the bottom. I don't know. But uh, the point is that the Lord, one of the, he is the original truther. He is the spirit of truth. He is the one who is trying to help society and people on an individual level break out of the mind prison that has encapsulated them and, 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 and controls them and controls their first their minds and then their activities. You, you like to talk about, and I think we should do a whole podcast on the idea of inversion. And this was a blatant inversion of, of the doctrine of Christ. It was a, uh, it was a, it was, it was taking something and, and literally turning it upside down and saying that to avoid one another, especially those who are afflicted, to avoid one another is what Christ would do on the earth today or how he acted when he was on the earth. To So we're supposed to avoid the sick and afflicted. We're supposed to avoid the vulnerable because there's, there's, there's reams and piles of evidence and uh, uh, stories showing that this, these lockdown policies, these isolation policies are ransacking the vulnerable people in society, whether that's economically vulnerable, mentally vulnerable, uh, the, it's, it's ruining the very people that were supposed to be correct. Right. Uh, it's, it's, statistically, protecting. it's statistically arguable that the lockdowns have caused more death. And, and even among the elderly that yeah. were supposed to be... Uh, Loneliness. Taking care of. Loneliness, isolation, that has a big effect on people who are in uh, long-term care facilities. And of course, you've got all the people that didn't seek medical care that they should have. You've got the alcohol abuse numbers. I think I mentioned this last Domestic time. Domestic abuse. There's a, there's a billboard on I-15 that says we've got a, a, close to 1,100 alcohol uh, and drug abuse deaths last year. And that's pr- approximately the same number as COVID deaths. Have and you the noticed, COVID deaths are inflated. I, 
obviously the uh, current propaganda campaign is contributing, but more and more as I, I drive up and down I-15, there, there are more and more government-funded propaganda billboards. It's many, like every sixth one. Many COVID ones, but also other other ones too. Yeah, um, I would say one out of five, one out of six. And so the control mechanisms, and this is one of the reasons I still think we're set up for catastrophe, is the control mechanisms are amplified maybe more so and more obvious than, than ever before. Right. So I guess the big prediction here is that there will be a, an intensification of the party line, the, the, the single party system, the single narrative system that we've got. It's a fake two-party system. You have a single narrative that's being pushed by the corporatocracy, and that's going to intensify. That's what you're saying. And so as that happens, people are going to pop out of it, right? Men go mad in herds, but they go, they come to their senses one at a time and they're going to, people are going to start to pop out of it, which is going to create, uh, is that going to foment a rebellion? Is it going to foment uh, mass civil disobedience? What's it going to do? That's a good question. And if I'm, if, if I'm the oligarchy, if mm-hmm. I'm the, if I'm the, the uh, minister of agitation or whatever. That's the question too, isn't it? Do they, do they intend to have a soft creeping medical tyranny or is the ultimate goal agitation because i cannot believe that they don't understand what this is doing to the human spirit one thing that's really interesting is when you really get into conspiracy studies right not theories but studies study the study of all the theories and the and the the true history when you get into that you realize that the elite are very spiritual. They are very occult even. They are into hidden esoteric information, into spirituality. It, they Symbolism. are not atheists. These people are not the scientific atheists that you think that, that, they're also that they not, would like you to believe. And they're not worship, but they're not worshiping the, the they don't same worship God, God you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are playing for the other team. Well, and that's one of the, the theories is that they... Uh, their beliefs, the occult, requires them to sort of uh, advertise and uh, pre-message, pre-message, and, telegraph, and telegraph what they're going to do. It's part. Of, it's part of the. It's part of the power structure. Saying we're telling you what we're going to do. You know it's going to hurt you, and you're powerless to stop us. Or and we're going to get the majority of the public to beg for it. That's what well, they're going to do, and then we're going to sacrifice them upon the altar that we create. I'm I'm blown away at the number of people that are continuing to literally beg their governments for more lockdowns, yeah. as if they couldn't just lock down themselves. You can always just stay yeah. home, but they want too many people, and this is why I'm I'm not super optimistic. Too many people are are not just complacent and just kind of putting their head down and going along, but they're they're becoming almost militant about these rules, and that's going to lead to to bad outcomes. Okay, so what are the outcomes? Because we have this this creeping, depressive, soft tyranny where, well, it's not really a soft tyranny, but it's sort of a soft dissension into tyranny where you just sort of fall asleep. It's just like, just don't resist. We're here to help. Don't resist. We're here to help. We're, we're taking all of your stuff. We're destroying your jobs, your future. You just need to exist in the manner that we say and get all of our shots that, you know, there's that idea, but then there's this, what I'm, what I'm talking about is this point where people reach their line in the sand and then they resist. Are we going to see resistance? 
Does, yes. And that creates yes. the conflict, and, and we, right? We're, we're starting to, but it's it's small. But yeah, I think so. Um, and, and here's a future podcast, the aims and methods of the oligarchy. Uh, they're very uh, hermetic or esoteric or Illuminati, depending on how you use that term that we could talk about. But one of the mantras that they employ is out of chaos, order. They want to create an right. order out of it's chaos. It's on the dollar bill. The, yeah, the... Um, the idea is that God created the world or the cosmos out of chaos, and so they emulate God, and their, it's their right to be the rulers of this world. It's a divine right given to kings and to these people from these families and these oligarchies. They uh, have the right to rule, and so therefore they will foment the chaos. That's, that's the difference there, is that God doesn't foment the chaos. They are fomenting chaos so that they can then create or their order, impose their order upon that chaos. One way to, to think about it is is rather than order and chaos, you can think of freedom and control because in their minds, the individual sovereignty and freedom of mankind is chaos because they can't control people's decisions. Right now, everything is controlled. The government controls, well, the government is being used to control just about everything from sports and media and entertainment not just to control the messaging, but whether or not the thing even exists, right? Sports leagues were shut down. They only exist right now on permission of well, but and, they, and, and but, if but, they follow protocols. But let's go back to the to the inception of this. They voluntarily shut down. Right. And then well, the or, then publicly, the protocols publicly it was voluntary. I, I I would love to know because it kinda all started with the NBA, right? Right. I would love to know. I would I would love to have eavesdropped on some of those phone calls with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Who who called him? Who did he speak to? Was it the Communist Party of China? There's no there's a good chance of that because he has or he it, and the league have deep was it ties. Bill Gates himself. But so, <laughs> you Bill don't you don't shut down your billion dollar uh, product on a whim just because one player tested positive with no symptoms. See, we, we talked about that point on election night where everything changed as right. if the, as if the speaker of at the rally had received the note and changed the enemy. As we discussed last episode in, uh, yeah, when we were talking about 1984, we read a whole section in 1984. I thought it was really important, but there was that point. It was March 11th, right? Uh, when the dominoes all started to fall, it was as if somebody got the message out that we were all supposed to shut down and they voluntarily closed down. And uh, you could say it was out of fear, but it's also possible that at a high level, the tidal wave of shutdowns was caused by a decision having been made at a high level. If we want, right. Somebody, somebody, somebody said, because we're going to do this because it was almost immediate and international. You had suddenly all these slogans rolled out. Corporations immediately had ads, you know, um, showing empty cities and soft music and people helping each other. And, you know, we're all in this together. And you had concerts, these virtual concerts. It was, it was so coordinated that it was, almost, it was almost laughable how in sync all of these different entities and, were. And remember, two weeks prior, people were saying, it's a hoax. Uh, we don't need to worry about shutting down international travel this is this isn't what you think don't worry about it and and remember also that we had the country the, an entire country the nation of sweden did not lock down they never imposed the same controls and they don't have any materially statistically significant differences 
in how the uh, the virus affected their country. So we we have evidence, and we have this in the states of the union. There are plenty of uh, graphs. I guess I'll have to find a graph to link to now, or an article to link to, but there's plenty of analysis that shows how the statistics between lockdown states and high policy intervention states like California and low policy intervention states like Florida, Texas, and South Dakota are, are almost, like the statistics are, are pretty close. There's no, there appears to be no relevance to whether you lock down or not. It, it was a non-effect. The LA Times recently wrote a story um, where they were completely baffled that the virus in California was still spreading despite the uh, measures, which I found humorous and just kind of silly that it, it never seemed to occur to them that well, the and virus doesn't care about your your, your uh, lockdown measures. Your lockdowns. Well, and while we're talking about inconsistencies, let's let's make sure to point out that authorities like the CDC are right now simultaneously claiming that the flu season, the flu has been dramatically decreased this year because the masks and the social distancing measures are working, while simultaneously telling us that COVID is on the rise because the masks and social distancing are not working. Right. That we're not uh, compliant enough. Massive brain damage right there. There's um, even a a, a local doctor... That should destroy all credibility that they have. That, that, That should destroy all the credibility they have. I mean... There's been a lot of credibility destroying moments that haven't yet. I think, but this is that process of one by one... That line in the people are crossing that line in the sand. It might have been the 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 widespread uh, endorsement of the Black Lives Matter riots in June when healthcare officials literally said we're okay with that, but not. That was, other I gatherings. think, one of the big schizophrenic moments. I think that was a moments. big one where people yeah. said, "Okay, something's up." I think there's been others. If if we want to talk about 2021, let I think, you know, we like to compare things to 1984. 2021 could easily become, so if you recall in 1984, Winston is is arrested and he's tortured and he's isolated and, and he has all these horrible things happen to him. And then, do you remember what happens to him towards the end of the end of the book? He's released back into the public and he, or he enjoys some measure of n- normalcy in that universe and some sort of peace where he can, in fact, he's given a little bit of status where he doesn't have to work the factory anymore. He can kind of, he goes, and he goes to a cafe, right? And he, he enjoys this sort of reprise. Reprieve. Reprieve. What's a reprise? Is that a, a musical rep- term? A reprise, to reprise <laughs> something is to go back and repeat it. A, right. a reprieve is a little bit of relief. He, re- he, he enjoys some relief from, from that. And then, and he knows this, he's scooped up at the end. And, and maybe 2021, because I don't think that the oligarchy, I, I, they're, they're smart about this. They're patient, as we've talked about. They've been doing this for a long time. They may, have un- they may understand that depending on what their goals are, but they may understand that, that things are teetering and they could, they could easily lose the control they think they have if they don't pull back. So we might see one thing that could easily happen, piggybacking off our previous conversation in a Biden presidency, is that Biden's president, you have widespread distribution of this vaccine, you turn down the knob on the PCR tests, we move into spring, which will naturally... Uh, 
decrease the amount of sick people in, in North America. Yeah, because all seasonal illness now is called COVID. So And so by springtime, and you have hints of this even in, in the media, by springtime things go away and maybe we declare a victory. Somebody, uh, some you know, Fauci will come out and, and pretend that we've defeated this and we enjoy a great summer, right? And it's it's it, they'll they'll brand it as okay, the, that's a the American comeback, and 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 Biden is the Biden's the great liberator. Yeah, he defeated the Trump virus, and that's that's a possibility. And let me tell you why I don't think that will happen, because too many people, due to the Barbara Streisand effect, know about the Hunter Biden laptop. Sure. Too many people believe the election was rigged, and I think that they don't intend to allow a resistance to form. I think what you're going to see is crisis upon crisis, and they're going to have to invent. If they, if the people stop believing the coronavirus narrative, they will have to invent new narratives. Right. And so and let me we're throw. We're going to get those anyway. Yeah, I think. But let me throw one of these, and I'm not talking about just run of the mill new narr- crisis narratives. I mean stuff like alien invasion. Literally, I honestly think that there is a possibility at some point you will see the news promote the the idea that we're being invaded by aliens hg wells uh is, is it wasn't he the war, one war, the of, radi- the, war, of, the war of the worlds is that what it was yeah, yeah. yeah. was it hg wells i think so uh we gotta look that up because we gotta get our facts straight otherwise we'll get fact checked uh <laughs> let's see war of the worlds was uh hg wells yes got it right when you're when you're when you're just flying uh you know by the seat of your pants off the cuff you, you tend to say a lot of things and you go back and you realize, oh, that wasn't quite right. I think the sense of the things we're saying is, is accurate. But, but if you ever make one mistake, then you canceled. get called on it and you get canceled. So, so War of the Worlds, uh, as you all know, was a radio broadcast that literally people believed. Uh, let's see, this was a science fiction novel first serialized in... Uh, 1897 before the Tom Cruise version. Yeah. But there was a, a point in like the early days of radio where they, um, 1938 was when they broadcast war of the worlds. It was narrated and directed by Orson Welles. The first two thirds were, uh, of the 60 minute broadcast were presented as a series of news bulletins. And they, they describe it as having led to outrage and panic by listeners who believe the events described in the program were real. They th- literally thought we were being invaded by aliens. And they've been building this up in the, in the modern world, this idea that it's plausible. And there have been some disclosures recently from the Navy and, and the government. And this idea that they could foist upon the public a fake alien invasion to further consolidate power is a real thing. And so I I bring that up in conjunction with what we're talking about as as future possibilities because the coronavirus narrative is becoming thin. Now, we've got this tug of war right now going on that we're sort of dancing around. Is the public believing it or are they not? And I think in a significant way, a very large portion of the public is not believing it. I think right now you're seeing a lot of the conservative side, if, if, it's, if it's divided into red and blue or half and half, you're seeing the conservatives are waiting to see if Donald Trump really is not the president, and they're waiting to see what a Biden president, presidency really means. Because if, if uh, Biden becomes the president, then I think the, a lot of people are going to take the gloves off. They're going to start to organize. And coronavirus is going to be one of the first things on the chopping block because we've got a 99.99% survival rate. 
and people are going to start to talk in, in those terms and they're and they're one of the big problems for the the oligarchy if they want to pull back and let off the gas see i think they've i think they've committed their troops i think this is like the game of risk you don't waste a turn you just continue to war and get as much territory as possible once you've committed your troops you're all in i don't i don't think they can rest because that allows the enemy which is us the people the real people to to start to get organized and get traction and so i think they will then they're going to have to throw something totally out of left field into the narrative in order to distract the public. And so the idea that it could be alien invasion is a possibility. Another possibility, which is probably more likely, would be China. They come out and they disclose, you know what, the virus was engineered in China. We figured that out. We need to go to war with China, which would be totally appropriate because Joe Biden is totally in bed with China. So to, to host a uh, kayfabe... Uh, you know, World Wrestling Federation event between the United States and China and the rest of the world would be appropriate at this stage of lies in media. And, and it would be a real war. It would be a hot shooting war. But the, uh, the, the players at the top would be totally insulated and protected. And so, so coronavirus itself came out of left field. When the economy was teetering, coronavirus comes out of left field. And, you know, there was the, the big issue at the time there were there were two big issues. If if you were, uh, this was at the turn of 2019 to 2020, so about approximately a year ago, at least on my mind, the big the big issues were: can this economy hold? Can the Trump economy continue? And what will happen with the impeachment charade? It was it was becoming clear that the impeachment proceedings were a charade. MSNBC was running out of material. You know, they 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 just they could only go so far, and then enter this the scene changes to coronavirus, and now it, it, the question is: Is this running out of steam? And it, I think it may have a lot more steam left, but I the problem is that we're in an area where the media has overblown itself. It's now become the boy who cries wolf to maybe 50, 60 percent of the public. And so they their only way to continue to exert influence on the the total the the total population is to invent new crazier crises. They they're not going to be able to control the people that don't believe them without some sort of a a narrative that is outlandish enough that'll bring them back to the table and and make them think for a while like the war of the worlds 1938 broadcast with with the new you know cuz you know you can say well they lied to us about global warming numbers but but it's hard to get people to recognize they're lying about the coronavirus numbers and and maybe a few years down the road if we had time to be stable we could come to that conclusion, but I don't think they're going to allow us to stabilize because it's becoming more and more clear who's, who is who, you know, we've, uh, the masking of America has created the unmasking of the oligarchy for a lot of America. So I hope I'm articulating that well enough. I think it's a, it's a real possibility. You'll see something out of left field or a second pandemic or something. There's some reason we need to believe them. All it would take is for, uh, have a, I don't know if there are any well-respected news anchors left, you know, like the old Walter Cronkite types, but all it would take is for, for someone like that today to announce that there's an alien uh, presence or alien 
discovery, you know, and they mm-hmm. could produce some satellite images and something like that. And most of the people would immediately uh, start to to believe that and would start it would start that chain of events. Yeah, War, that's the power of of the news media. All they had to say was that there was a dangerous virus, and we willingly let our entire lives be turned upside down. One of my theories, my kind of underlying theories for the oligarchy, is that they like to see how, just how far they can go, just to see how how stupid or how willing we all can be. And I'm not saying that we're all stupid, but I'm saying that we can be in in groups r- really stupid. that whole idea that they're intending to see how far they can go is one thing but i do think their intention is to reform the society absolutely right now and so they're they're, saying that they want to move faster and so i and and that they are saying that that's the world economic forum these these people are all talking about uh reforming the society the great the great reset a new capitalism and yeah a world of uh equality where the West isn't, doesn't have uh, the seats of power and the economy is not, you know. It, uh, it needs to be a supranational controlled thing. I'm going to link to uh, an interview done between G. Uh, G. Edward Griffin was interviewing Norman Dodd, who was the head investigator for the Reese Committee in the 1950s, where they in, investigated the undue influence of the tax-exempt foundations. And in that, Dodd reveals that he discovered, and his chief investigator discovered, when they were teletyping the notes from the uh, Central Committee uh, meetings of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, they found out that they were discussing fomenting World War I in the Carnegie Endowment for World Peace's steering committee within two, one or two years of their inception. They, they started asking these questions. How do we how do we create broad changes in society the first year? And then the second year they started asking the question, is there any way that is more effective than war to make broad changes in society? And then the third year they were saying, how do we involve the United States in a world war? So they they know that war is, is the way to make the most uh, dramatic, broad, sweeping, fast changes. And it also gives them, a lot of people think that the, the oligarchy doesn't want to, uh, have a war because it's going to destroy their control grid. I disagree. They make money on the destruction and they make money on the reconstruction. They, they'll have the technology and the me- uh, mechanisms waiting in the wings. They don't, they don't care about having a big war. In fact, I think they'd prefer to have a big war because it culls the herd. It, it uh, creates a situation where it's uh, debts are settled. Um, you, you can just disregard all the rules. Everything's fair in love and war. You don't have to we don't have to have the narrative match prior to the war and after the war. You just say, ah, oh, the axis, you know, Hitler was a bad guy. It was all Hitler. You know, it, nothing has to match. There's, it's called the fog of war. And so I think that there's a real possibility for this, uh, that type of a scenario, broad, a broader war, one that affects Americans on American soil. And I'm, I'm not saying that's uh, in the cards for 2021, but it's looking more and more likely to happen sooner rather than later because they have cast their die. They have um, let the arrow fly. They're, 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 there's a guy out there named Matt Bracken who uh, wrote the book Enemies Foreign and Domestic. And 
he likes to say that you know these elites they they totally want to govern have total control of the world but that saying you're going to control the world and govern the world is like riding a tiger it's one thing to say you're going to ride the tiger and it's another thing to saddle that tiger up and actually get on the tiger you know and so they they're they're trying to ride the tiger right now i think they i think they have set in motion events that cannot be put back in the bag and that and that's uh why i would say that a cataclysm on the level of a of a world war is not out of the question. But if they throw an alien invasion at us, I mean, we, we I don't think we understand the full extent and creativity that this group who intends to rule the world is is capable of. The the technology now with with CGI and deep fake stuff is frightening. It's crazy how uh, realistic things can look on a screen now you know there's the 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 newer star wars movies had um young carrie fisher in them looked very real they also had old carrie fisher who had who had passed away and they didn't finish filming and so what did they they just created her Mm -hmm. and i've always thought with these with this this deep fake and the cgi technology all you would need to do is create a fake Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody, some world leader. You can make them say anything and put them on television and you could create all kinds of chaos. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of joked, half joked that wars will be started with from a deep fake uh, TV announcement. The, the Brits recently had a fake queen deliver a christmas message really i yeah. didn't know that and they they, they said hey, hey, it's fake and it was kind of a hey look what we can do and be aware of this stuff and it's it's bizarre it looks real and you know the voice is a little different because they had an actor do the voice but well what, what we've got here is an obvious communications disruption we've been talking about that and since you mentioned star wars and carrie fisher there's a great quote that comes out of the episode one star wars if i call it the first star wars i get in trouble it's not the first star wars the first star wars was a new hope episode four it was actually the fourth star wars episode one um phantom menace i think is yeah the phantom menace the first of the prequels yeah the first of the prequels and uh the the council of naboo the governing council of naboo is sitting around talking about the strange happenings around their planet. And one of the council members, a guy with a, uh, long beard, uh, gray hair, he says, <laughs> there's probably the star Wars guys probably know his name. Uh, he says a communication disruption can mean only one thing invasion. Right. <laughs> and then they, then the war starts. Right. And that's, uh, uh, th- that's uh, that's universal. Uh, com- uh, censorship is followed by violence. Communication disruption is is one of the first things to happen in war. And we are if we're actually in war already in World War Three, which we discussed in the past episode, we're already at war. It's a psychological asymmetric uh, segment of the war right now. That is followed by violence. And what that violence looks like may not look a lot like World War II with D-Day, with the Axis and the Allies. It may, it may be a lot different, but it will be violent. And I think that is a frightening thing. It, it's, it's easy for me to say it right now uh, and believe it, but I don't want to believe it. Just to be sitting here with of you course, in studio course. talking about it 
studio in 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 the basement <laughs> in the cave in the basement in our makeshift studio okay since you let that cat out of the bag uh we're gonna get a mobile command center for when this war well, happens well okay so in the spirit of uh, 2021 predictions i think we're going to see at least one if not multiple large-scale internet outages because um, the, the internet is communication nowadays and uh is it possible we could see a banking outage or something to accompany that? For sure, for sure. In the something we, that shakes everybody up. In the event in in event two hundred one, the, the the dress rehearsal for the pandemic, mm-hmm. they they go over a whole segment in that on on shutting down internet communications to combat misinformation, which is bizarre. We've seen that that sort of war on quote misinformation happen. They've they've largely done it without shutting down the internet mm-hmm. or you know on ISPs. But what they've done is just shutting down the the so called misinformation through censorship. But that would be that would be the next step once everybody once a, a large enough portion, a large enough percentage of the population realizes the media is the boy who cries wolf, and when they begin to create those alternative paths of communication and a lot of them already exist websites emails uh once the information cat is out of the bag then that's when you'll see it if you see yeah and we could we could also see a i don't know if it would be simultaneous but we could see cell networks go down which would essentially cut off everybody from everybody because nobody hardly uses landlines anymore so if if the internet the isps and in, in so many cases, the ISP and the cell provider are the same company, right? right? The same, same people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we've, we've talked about, those companies are all owned by uh, just a few big giant conglomerates. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal to really cut us off from, from the outside world, um, which, would, which would cause a lot of panic amongst uh, the public. And what, that's the whole point, is to discombobulate, distract, isolate, and panic the public. Because when you get people panicked, you can get them to do all kinds of things they wouldn't normally do. You could also, they, it could also be a scenario where, you know, these communication channels are shut down, except for a, an emergency broadcast channel where we we get nothing well, that but, already exists right and so we can turn on our tvs or we can get on the internet but the only page that works is the official the, right this has been a test <laughs> but you get it but but where we the only thing we can see is the official propaganda the official news feed of the invasion of the war of whatever and so there's no there's no way that we this happened kind of in a in a in a format do you remember the arab spring yeah where people in egypt were able to kind of work around these communication disruptions using twitter right mm-hmm. and they were able to tell the outside world what was going on mm-hmm. now i don't know if the arab spring was authentic or spontaneous or organic or not but the point is these communication channels were sort of bypassed but that that I think that would be easier to eliminate nowadays, and just just by shutting down the cell networks and the internet, there would be no good way for someone to say, "I'm in D.C. This is not how it is. I'm in New York City. 
Right. This isn't actually happened. Kind of like... Uh, and you have that already in China with their great right, firewall. Right. And, you know, a, a small example was New Year's Eve was recent, was just a few days ago. And I saw a few kind of humorous videos of like uh, someone's filming a TV with their phone and on the TV are fireworks going off over um, one was Seattle's Space Needle landmark and it's all lit up and there's there's fireworks going off and it looks great and the guy pans his phone out the window and it's the actual Space Needle and nothing's going on it's just right you know it's just it's fake New Year's right and so this idea that they can use that to put out a message where somebody watching it, somebody who doesn't have a view of the Space Needle can sit there and go, oh, wow, look, they, even in the pandemic, they did fireworks yeah, for they, us. They didn't, uh, didn't, they, they didn't articulate that it was file footage. I don't know if they did or not, but even still, the, the imagery is going to override some little disclaimer or something somebody said at the beginning. Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. If there is a communication shutdown, when it gets turned back on, it's not going to be the same. And if the banking system experiences a, a widespread outage, when that gets put back on, it's not going to be the same. And it, it, it's not that, uh, like with the with the banking system particularly, it, it's not that you'll have all the capital controls immediately, but the cat will be out of the bag for the general public in that we just had an outage and they will begin to take mass uh, mentality action that that creates ripples throughout our society. And well, so, I don't think I don't think when our social lives get turned back on they're going to be the same. Well, that's what we're happening what's happening right now with the covid thing. Right. Yeah. As we're nearing the end of this uh or or past the end of this hour here uh any Final thoughts, suggestions, solutions? Well, prepare yourself, but also be that person that, that resists and, and is a, a, an example of somebody that, that isn't, isn't buying into all of the fear. So smile at people, shake people's hands, and uh, take off that mask, as I always say, mm-hmm. and uh, just re- reclaim your humanity because our... our Really, our, our humanity is being taken from us, and we need to reclaim that. Yeah. I would agree. There are two possibilities here, not three. L- there are a lot of people that are hoping we're going to get back to normal or some semblance of That's normal. That's gone. That's done. That's, that is out the window. That is not on the table. You have either the option to be a, a participant in the resistance or to go quietly into the night and may, if you, if you do go quietly into the night, may your chains rest lightly upon your wrist and may history forget that we were ever countrymen. But we, we all need to resist and we need to resist in the appropriate way. You, need to, you, you don't go out and escalate things unnecessarily. I think, uh, Bobby, your advice to reclaim your humanity is good. You reclaim it, and then if they attack you, then you respond appropriately. When I go to stores... Proportionately. ...and I don't put a mask on, I don't... I don't advertise it. I don't make a big deal out of it. But one thing I do try to do is have a big, dumb grin on my face. And and just kind of remind people that we used to be different, and it wasn't very long ago, that we used to have conversations in the aisles of grocery store, even with strangers... 
We used to see neighbors there and we would shake hands and slap each other on the back. We used to, uh, we used to assist and help one another. And it, it's not so far gone that we can't quickly get that back. But it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. Things are, yeah, things are changing and, and the, the clock is ticking. Uh, if we're ready to wrap up, I'd like to just read here at the very end something inspired, which I just alluded to. This is Sam Adams. And he said, and I think it's appropriate more now than it ever has been. If ye love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom. Go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsel or arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains set lightly upon you and may posterity forget that ye were our countrymen.